Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. Today's episode is about how you can get involved in missions. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. We are always happy for you to join us because we feel like you are a third person sitting at this table. And so today they get to sit with me and my buddy, John Bailey. How you doing, man? (laughs) Very good. Very good. Excited about today. Uh, We're talking about missions. I'm really excited to get into that uh, subject. But before we get started, I think you had a question. Well, yes, absolutely. So the the planet Mm -hmm. just crossed over the 8 billion mark. I mean, that was sort of a catalyst for even us talking about missions today. But when I start thinking about that, Eight million people. You know, we always try to start off the conversation with something personal about us. What's the biggest and what's the smallest city you've ever lived in? Okay. Um, So the biggest would be when I when I was younger, my uh, dad was um, was in the military. Mm. So we were stationed in Madrid. So I lived three years in in Madrid, which I think is about three and a half million people or so. Uh, the smallest place was where I was. I was born in Johnson City, Tennessee. Okay, and uh, later went back there and and lived. I played college football in that okay. area, and uh, and lived there for a few years. And so Johnson City isn't that small. It's maybe about eighty thousand people. Oh, okay. It's a yeah. tri city area. It's beautiful. It's right in the Appalachian Mountains. Beautiful place, but mm. that's probably the smallest place. And what about yourself? Not that we're being competitive at yeah. all, but you know, I beat you on both sides. But if, here. if we were, if we were, uh, yeah, the largest city lived in. Didn't live there a huge length of time, but uh, Cairo, Egypt. Yeah, you know, twenty-five million people. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's one of the top five largest countries, largest cities, cities in yeah. the world. A city that's larger than many countries. Yeah. Um, and then we lived in Alexandria, Egypt, which is a we lived there for an extended period of time. And it is a very large. I mean, it's also it's eight million people. You know, it's dwarfed by Cairo, but it's still I mean, eight million is a very large city. <laughs> and then the smallest place I ever lived was Honey a Path, South Carolina. Honey a path? Honey a path. H O E. Psychopath? No. <laughs> At times. <laughs> okay. H O N E A, separate word, P A T H. All right. Also known as uh, Possum Kingdom. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was in Georgia? That was in South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Church yeah. there. Uh, wonderful, incredible people. Yeah. Love Jesus, love missions, what we're mm-hmm. talking about today. And, um, we were getting ready to go to the field, and they had a place for us to live for free. And they said, hey, come and live in our missions house, and it was great. And um, town that was a—if you've ever lived in the South, you know about mill villages. Yep. It was a town attached to a mill mill village. Church was attached right. to the mill village. And, you know, and unfortunately, those the economy in those types of towns is— basically in ruins people have left you know the meal the meals have closed and people have left but these were just incredible salt of the earth kind of people and we loved it and um and so we've had both extremes of you know (laughs) i think that town you know was about two thousand people more possums than people probably (laughs) yep uh you know and uh it's funny i would walk around town and people who i had never met in my life knew who i was wow you that person living up there, and and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. With you? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we mentioned eight million, eight billion. Yeah. U.S. The <laughs> world just crossed over that incredibly significant threshold. Yeah. And so, well, which missions, brings me, yeah. which brings me an excitement for today, and I, I want to put a little bit of context for people that are watching, just in case they don't know. So, we're, neither one of us are position kind of people, but we do have positions here at World China. Like mm-hmm. titles are really, for me, mostly insignificant. Um, but just just to help people have an understanding, you know, when it comes to missions of kind of what we are. So, when when I came here, I'm the chief operating officer. 
I come with a background in finance and business, mm-hmm. uh, have pastored a very successful church and done a lot of outreach here in North America. Mm-hmm. And then I was a missionary uh, in Europe, mostly in Europe. I've probably traveled to 60 plus countries wow. and done ministry, but mostly uh, we lived in Europe as, as a missionary. Well, with that said, when I came into the position here at World Challenge, uh, one of the first things that we needed to do was get the focus on our missions right. And so uh, myself and Mark went to Bible college together. Yep. And uh, we played on the intramural football team <laughs> together and you know, hung out. And uh, over the years, we've stayed in touch. And he is one of my heroes in missions. So my first, the first hire that I made here at World Challenge uh, was Mark. And he is, uh, and I know a lot of missionaries, uh, to say a thousand missionaries, I'm, yeah. I'm probably pretty familiar with yeah. a whole lot of missionaries. I was a missionary sure. for 10 years myself. And he is absolutely one of the best missionaries on the planet. Keep keep going. Keep going. I know. Keep going. I know. <laughs> your head is getting bigger and bigger as we talk. And uh, and so I didn't even know that he would come to World Challenge, but he did, and I'm so glad that he did. But he brings a great expertise, particularly in unreached people groups and the persecuted church. And so he is coming to us today. And I, I, I really want to take a role in this particular podcast mm. of being a little bit more of an interviewer. Okay. And I, I'll have a little bit of input along the way, sure. but I really want you to be able to talk to the listeners today and give them a context of missions, how it works, uh, what God expects from us. Yeah. And so I, I want to just start with my first question to you, mm. Mark, today is this. Uh, what does, what is, like, just give us a, uh, just a basic understanding of what does it mean to be a part of doing missions in the generation that we live in? That's a great question. Um, I could get really, really nerdy <laughs> on this. <laughs> Please don't I, do that. And I'll try not We're to do that. We're nerdy enough as it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I have a graduate degree in missions, so, you know, mm. I could get real nerdy on this, but I'll try to stay away from that. Um, so it's, I, I talk about. God loves all lost people. So no matter where we're at, God loves lost people. And he loves he loves all people lost and sick. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. We're we're but yeah, I guess I was making the assumption that right. you know, but sometimes Christians tend to think it's, you know, he loves he loves his children, but I'm not so sure about those people. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And um, you know, we've talked about this before. One of my favorite theological scholar says, you know, you've created God in your own image when he hates the same people you hate. Oh, wow. That's a great, that's a great quote. Yeah. And so, you know, when we look at the world, sometimes people kind of say it's us and then it's them. So God loves all people. He loves lost people and he loves them all equally. But there's a, the the issue isn't lostness. And the issue isn't love. The issue is access to the gospel. So for me, that's the major component of missions is it's not simply where are there lost people, but it's where are there lost people that have little or no access to the gospel. Yeah. And I got to say this at World Challenge, we are passionate about taking the gospel where it doesn't exist. I was just in Vietnam, a hundred million people, 53% of the people have never heard the name of Jesus. If that doesn't bother us as believers. Yeah. And the 50 and the 47% that have, if probably most of them have heard a distorted view of what Jesus is. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, how do we engage with that? Like, obviously the great commission wasn't given to full-time missionaries. The, the Great Commission was given to the church. So as we seek to go, hey, what does it mean to be a, a, a missionary in whatever endeavor that we're yep. at? How do we engage with making disciples? And what in that context, what is it to be a missionary, God-called missionary to yeah. the world that we live in? All right. So let me just back up. You used the term Great Commission. Yep. I think it was, Hudson, it was William Carey that's actually given the credit for coming up with that phrase, Great Commission. Um, Some of our listeners may not even know what we're referring to when we talk about the Great Commission. Right. Um, So the Great Commission is – there's a version of the Great Commission in all of the Gospels. Right. You know, I would argue that the whole Bible is a missions 
book. Um, but the most common passage we refer to as the Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter 28, mm-hmm. verse 19, where Jesus tells his disciples, this is post-resurrection. He's getting ready to be taken up into heaven. Yep. You know, sometimes we say the last word somebody has are the most important. Mm-hmm. This is pretty much that, <laughs> you know, and he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, the, we've got the, there's four verbs in that passage. The most important one, it's called the central imperative in Greek, is the make disciples. Yep. So Jesus wants us making disciples. We we teach, we baptize, but the interesting part here is the going piece. So the the emphasis and the construction there in that Greek is actually as you are going, make disciples. The yeah. implication is there's no such thing as a sedentary Christian. Absolutely, and it start and it starts here. And I and as you're saying that, here's a little bit of what I go through in my brain: is that probably the greatest challenge we have in America is we do great at filling a house full of people in church on Sunday mm-hmm. morning, but are we actually making disciples? Because the command isn't just go tell people, but it's to make disciples. And it certainly has been a failure in America. And if and if that's true. What is, what is the greatness of the need when you start putting in the context of around the world? Absolutely. And then I would even argue that in a stateside or wherever the church is, yeah. that part of the disciple process, mm-hmm. the disciple making process, is helping them to understand God's heart for the nations. Absolutely. And, and when we talk about nations, so kind of here, getting a little nerdy here, but I'll keep it simple. When we talk about nations in the scriptures, so in Matthew 28, mm-hmm. uh, it's not talking about geopolitical entities. So yeah, it's, like boundaries, which change all the time. Yeah, exactly. What it, the, the word that's actually used there in the Greek is taethne. Well, we can it, quickly, we come up with, well, that's our English word, ethnic. So yeah. what, what he's really talking about is people groups. He's like, go into every single people group and proclaim the gospel, make disciples. And so, you know, for us personally, and then, of course, at World Challenge, that gets reflected in not just so we make disciples, but we do that also through church planting. Yeah, because there's no biblical example of a disciple who's not part of a community of Christ. Yeah. And I, and I have to say this, too. If you're in a place and you're not making disciples, uh, I think you're missing one of the greatest joys in the Scripture because I I don't think you can miss this, that Jesus is saying, hey, I've resurrected. Mm. Now I'm parting life to you. He breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. But now he's going, you can't be satisfied with experiencing the joy and the power of God yourself if you're satisfied in that and and there's not something that lets that overflow to the people that are around you, you're missing one of the greatest joys of being a believer that now I've experienced Christ and now I can help the world that I live in mm. experience the power of Jesus Christ alive in their lives. Amen. I've had so many people through the years, partly because of what I've done, you know, being a missionary and then functioning in missions leadership for many years. I've had so many people come up to me and say, you know, what's the number one trait that's, you know, I need to have, you know, if I'm going to be a successful missionary. First question I always ask is, are you making disciples? Because crossing a body of water will not make you a disciple maker. (laughs) Right. You know, so if you aren't making disciples with the guy across the street from you, you aren't going to make disciples with the guy across the world from you. We would actually do that when, you know, before I went to be a missionary, Mm. I served as a youth and young adult pastor. And Mm. we did a lot of missions trips around in different places around the world. And we we would literally, I I would tell them, don't bother applying to go on a missions trip if you're not going to be a part of reaching people here in America. Why why are you going to pay to travel halfway across the world to tell somebody about Jesus 
if you can't tell them at your school sure. or in your neighborhood or people that are around you, this is really something. I, if, if we ask some of the reasons why do, are we not experiencing an awakening in America? Because we have to get beyond the surface religion of, oh, well, I got somebody into church and we got them a free cup of coffee. Well, that's great. Have you made a disciple, which is really loving Jesus and letting that flow through your life. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So good, good, good. That's a good point. So as, so as you're doing that, how, like as a, as a believer, how do you take part in this? You know, you're, you're going, hey, I'm just a new Christian. I'm trying to figure out how do mm-hmm. I make a difference in the world that I live in? So what would you say to a person this coming into know Christ, they're becoming a disciple. They want to grow. How how do they become a part of fulfilling uh, the mission that Christ has given us? Okay, that's a good question. So first of all, I think they have to understand that they actually do have a part mm. to play. You know, I, I can remember it's part of my own personal story of how I became a missionary. I wasn't necessarily a new believer. I'd been a believer of you know I'd grown up in the church, but mm-hmm. I'd been walking with the Lord strongly for probably three years at the time, and I, I was maybe maybe four years. But anyway, I was at a, a school you and I met at. Yep. And there was a missions event that happened every year at the school. The Gap Project. The Gap Project. (laughs) Global Awareness Project. And a close friend of mine, still a friend, uh, came to me. He had been the director for the conference that year. And he came up to me and he asked me, would you be willing to be the the director for next year? He saw some leadership skill in me and asked me this. And and so my first response to him was, why are you asking me to do this? I'm not going to be a missionary. (laughs) <laughs> jokes yeah. on you <laughs> yeah you know and, and and his response was great because yeah. he said that's actually good because we want people to understand that everybody has a role to play in missions yep so one i would say everybody should have a burden for the world you know we I, I talk to young men all the time and say, I can tell you what kind of person you are by what things make you laugh and what things make you cry. Mm-hmm. You know, are, are the things that make you cry the things that break God's heart? Well, I know it breaks God's heart that over half of the world's population has never had an opportunity to respond to the gospel. I want you to say that again, and I, and I want everybody to slow down for a moment. And I want you to listen to that. And you go, oh, I've heard that before, but I want you to let it soak in for a moment. Can you say that again? Yeah, I'm, I'll break it down even more. So half the world's population, we're not saying they've heard the gospel and rejected it. We're saying half the world's population has never had an opportunity to even hear a gospel presentation. So earlier I talked about the ethnic people, the ethnic groups, people groups. 14,000 of those in our world today. So 8 billion people divided amongst 14,000 people groups. Of those 14,000, 6,700 of them are what we would call unreached peoples. That means they have little or no access to the gospel. So I am so blessed I grew up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't grown up in a Christian home, I had churches really close to me. Yeah. I had Christian bookstores. I had Christian radio. I had Christian television. In today's world, I have Christian everything I could find on podcast and YouTube. And I, I have so much access to the gospel. And and everybody in America has that, by the way. Now I would say not everybody in America has heard the gospel, and that's why we need to be really good about not just speaking a message, but helping them to see the life of Christ uh, alive. We're written epistles for them to read. Sure, absolutely. But everybody in America has access to the gospel, which is not true in every place around the world. Yes, half of the world's population doesn't have access to the gospel. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but my wife and I and our family lived for many, many years in the Middle East. Um, Most of that time was spent in Amman, Jordan. Mm -hmm. I could walk out of my door in Amman, a city of about three and a half million people, 
so it's still a large city. I could walk out of my door, and I didn't know a single believer who lived within like a five-mile block area of me. Not one. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a sad, very, very sad reality. And it should and it should bother us. Yes, it absolutely. It should be something that, I mean, not bothers the place that we lose our joy or the peace of God, but it should bother us in going, are we as the church of Jesus Christ, are, are we motivated? Because it's, it's really a lot of this is desire. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, we can go to church every Sunday and we, again, we get our nice latte and we sit in church and we have our light show and... You know, we hear the preacher and then we go home. But listen, somewhere there, if it doesn't engage in our mind that goes, there are people that have never heard the name of Jesus to experience the love and the grace of God the way that we have. That's something that should start to stir in our hearts. It should. And I'm going to speak to something that you said, because you talked about not to the point that we lose like our peace or our joy. I'm going to clarify what I think that means. Okay. Because Jesus talked to his disciples and he said, I've called you to have life and life more abundantly. And he sent every single one of them to a martyr's death. Yep. So certainly what he meant by abundant life, by joy, wasn't comfort. Yep. Those are two very different things. And so, you know, in America, I've had people say, I think we've made materialism our God in America. I don't. I think we've made comfort our God in America. Don't do anything that inconveniences me. And the truth is, half of the world's population are the inconvenient lost. So if you tuned in today for a feel-good message, <laughs> you're not going to get it. Uh, and I, and I want to say I love that about our podcast. We want to say things that challenge you. We want to say things that stir your hearts. And this is something that should really stir us to the place of going, church, we have to engage with it. If you're a pastor or leader or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher at your church, you got to go, hey, we have to wake up to the to the fact that Jesus is passionate about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if we know Jesus, the Jesus who lives within us should be should be moving us to take the gospel yeah. to the places he wants it if to. If the to Jesus go. you serve isn't the Jesus of the Great Commission, then you've created a Jesus that's not biblical. Look at you. <laughs> and and we say that because that's, we're not saying that to be offensive. We're not saying that to make people feel bad or feel like that they, they don't know the right Jesus. It's to stir something inside of you that goes, hey, I, I need to have not a cultural Christianity that sometimes we experience here in America, but I want to have a biblical Christianity that moves me to the place that I want to take the gospel to the people that don't know it. And yeah. Mark, you have done such an amazing job here at World Challenge. We This is what we are about, is reducing that number of unreached people yeah. groups and taking the gospel yeah. where it doesn't exist. Yeah. My internal mantra practically every day is shrink the list. <clears throat> yep, 6,700 people groups that are unreached. What do we have to do to shrink the list? Yep. You know, and quite frankly... You know, occasionally it keeps me up at night, you know, because it's it's that important. It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't steal my joy. But what brings me joy isn't whether or not my football team wins on Sunday because my team usually actually does win on Sunday. <laughs> well, if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, that makes me joyful. And I guess for you, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I would City say Chiefs. that makes you happy. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, the point being is that the one of the reasons that, you know, the thought of people coming to faith in Christ and not just in numbers, mm-hmm. but that a people group would have would grow that the number of believers in it would grow to such a place that it could actually evangelize itself. Mm. That's that's what takes it off the people group list. We're not saying every person in the has heard the gospel. We believe at World Challenge 
because it's great missiology mm-hmm. that what we, we what we're all about is planting the indigenous church where it doesn't exist. Yes, so yep. the the indig, indigenous means literally it means from the soil. Yep. We want to see believers from the soil in every single people group. And we want to see enough of them that they not only are indigenous believers, but healthy indigenous yep. churches. So when you say that it keeps you up at night, it doesn't keep you up at night because you don't have peace. It keeps you up at night because you're going, God, give me the creativity. God, give me the wisdom. God, show us who to work with and how to work with so that we can take this powerful, life-changing gospel and infuse it into places that people are unreached that have never heard. And and that's the ticker. It's not that we go, oh, I've lost my joy oh, or I'm like no. overwhelmed by it. But it is this thing of going, God, show us how to do this effectively. And I got to tell you, you've been here a year, and we are already seeing these great inroads to take the gospel yeah. where it doesn't exist. I have a great team, and so I'm really honored to work with them. And, so, and it's an honor to work with you. And so, yep. um, you know, I think about... That issue about, you know, like the the peace issue and, you know, our our spiritual father here at World Challenge was David Wilkerson. Yeah. And, you know, one of his most poignant messages was a call to anguish. <laughs> you know, that's a to this day, that's a powerful message. That's not about a loss of peace. That's not about a loss of joy. That's about an intimacy with God. That is at the place that God shares with you how he feels yep. about things that trouble his heart. And we take that in and that does create a sense of anguish. It's not something we live with every single moment of every single day. But I do think God calls us to share in that, especially in seasons. Mm-hmm. And so I have a I had this great op, you know I've led missionaries around the world and it was a great opportunity and a, I mean what, just a real honor I love pastors I love believers everywhere I just really really love missionaries mm-hmm. uh, and they're normal people you know they're they're failures you know, yeah, brokenness exactly yeah. all the, of that every, you know it's funny because in in churches for years you know before you know before I became a missionary. You would always, oh, missionaries are our heroes. And they would sometimes give this image of like, you know, like they were nearly angelic. And uh, I've known a lot of missionaries. They're not all angelic. <laughs> <laughs> but they they are all passionate about fulfilling the commission. Yeah. And so so it is. They're real people with, you know, brokenness, yeah. heartaches, difficulties. But they press through those things to fulfill the purposes of yeah. God. So I, I, one of the missionaries I led was a lovely young woman who, from a Hispanic background, mm-hmm. um, had a, just an incredible testimony. Her fa- father had left her mother when she was, when she and her four, three brothers were younger, and her for two years they lived in their car mm-hmm. in Los Angeles with their mother. I mean, yep. just, you know, and God had saved the family and they just, they loved Jesus. And she had gone to a Christian university and she was actually studying missions and she spoke Spanish because she was Hispanic mm-hmm. and she remembered going, but she had in mission, in her missions class at school, she was hearing about unreached peoples yep. and focusing on this and that half the world's population hadn't heard the gospel. And she told this story that just really captured my heart. And it's been many years and I still remember it. She said she had gone on a weekend outreach to Tijuana and it crossed over the border. You know, she was, they were at a local church. They were doing some stuff. And she said she was sitting in the church on a Sunday night and young woman, she said, I started having chest pains to the point that I actually thought I was having a heart attack. Oh, geez. And she said, I tried to not disturb anybody, but I got up, walked out of the church and like almost collapsed in front of the church. And I was grasping my chest and like, she goes, I was scared. That's crazy. And she said, I was calling out to God and saying, God, help me. What's going on here? And she said, she instantly felt like one, the pain left her. 
And then she said she felt like she heard from God. He said, you have asked to know my heart. Wow. For just a moment, I let you feel my heart for the unreached. Mm. And she said, I got up off that sidewalk in Tijuana, Mexico, and knew that God had called me to spend the rest of my life amongst the unreached. Praise God. Yeah. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a story. It's mm-hmm. a true story from one person's life. But I think yeah. it does capture God's heart for the unreached. And, you know, we, 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 we could spend hours talking about the biblical support for this. We could talk about the missional side of this. But, you know, I, I just kind of like to go to the history side okay. of it. Every single one of the apostles, you know, other than Judas, every single one of them goes out as missionaries. Right. At a time, <laughs> I mean, like today, tomorrow I'm getting on an airplane and flying to the other side of the world. Yep. It'll take me, it's a long trip. It'll take me 24, 25 hours to get there. It took them <laughs> they had to walk. 25 weeks. And they had to walk. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or and they, yeah, there was no gas station yeah, and I mean, no McDonald's or Starbucks. And most of yep. these people were from providential small towns in Galilee. I mean, the biggest town they'd ever been to in their entire life was Jerusalem. Hmm. And God, Jesus says to them, I mean, part of me goes, what were they thinking? <laughs> I mean, Jesus says to them, go and take the gospel to the other sides of the earth. Yeah. I mean, Thomas. Winds up in India, is it? Yeah. I mean, we loved, what, what's Thomas's, you know, nickname? Doubting Thomas. Doubting yeah. Thomas. He clearly didn't doubt forever. He got over that. He got over that really fast. Yeah. I mean, he's buried yeah. right outside of Madras, India, hmm. you know, where he died preaching the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. So those, if we go to how the early church responded yep. to the Great Commission, we understand yep. that it was, they took it very seriously. Now, one piece that's interesting for me, and I'll, you know, feel like Acts 1-8, yep. you know, power is coming. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Pentecostals love that verse. <laughs> two, yeah, two one. <laughs> yeah. So you got Acts one eight. Interestingly, you have Acts eight one, which is Stephen has been stoned. Persecution breaks out in Jerusalem, and the believers have to flee. Scatter. Yeah. Scatter. Yeah. Some argue, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure I disagree, that Acts eight one happened because Acts one eight didn't. There you go. Well, and it's and it's a and it's a message to us as a church. A lot of a lot of times you'll hear people say, "Why don't we see the great miracles that they saw?" You know, there in you know, book book of Acts. Well, you know what? They were really busy about taking the gospel where it doesn't exist. And I will tell you, when you start to walk into those places, you will see the supernatural. You will see God do amazing things. That doesn't mean that He saves us from hardship, because as you said. Every one of them, save John, uh, died a martyr's death. Yep. So it doesn't mean that we, you know, all of a sudden we, we don't go through hardships, but it does mean that the supernatural power of God begins to intersect when we are making disciples and we're going to unreached people and we're sharing the love of Jesus. Now, now God starts to work in some powerful ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been in places you have too, where, you know, demon possession (laughs) manifests itself and, you know, it's like, there's no, there's no counselor nearby to send the demon possessed guy to, to get medication. I mean, you know, you know, in America, we tend to try to medicate demon possession here. I mean, we're talking about, you know, if, if you don't show up with power and the power's not in you. The power's in Christ, yep. you know, but showing up, being there, being a witness, being prepared to fight God's battles, you know, yep. through the power of the Spirit, those are all things that are necessary to see the church planted. Well, and let me say this, that that's if you're in Cairo, if you're in India, or if you go to the south side of Chicago. Oh, absolutely. Or you go to Harlem, 
or hey, you you find the place in the city where the gospel um, is expressed the least, yep. and go hey, let's get our little church together and go tell people about Jesus. I guarantee you, you will see God move in extraordinary fashion yep. when you begin to step out in faith and go, God, help me to take the gospel where where it doesn't exist or there's a great need. Yeah, that's where the dynamic power. Of God, so I, I want to follow this. First of all, let me just say this real quick. If you have not listened the message of, of the message from David Wilkerson mm. on a call to anguish, anguish. go on to YouTube. Mm. You can go on to World Challenge, uh, you know, dot org, and it will be there as well. Listen to that message. Yeah, I challenge you to absolutely. Uh, and with that said, so now we're we're talking about maybe a pastor is watching. Or maybe a deacon or a Sunday school teacher and go go to, they're attending the church and they go, you know what, at, at my church, we really don't talk that much about missions or we talk a lot about missions, but we don't really do that much about missions. What would you say to an individual, and that could be a pastor yeah. that's going, hey, I'm listening to this and and I need to be you know, engaged in this battle of taking the gospel where it doesn't exist. Yep. How, how do I take the steps to get there? All right. So there's a lot of different questions there. I know. Yeah. And and we're going to give a whole episode next week to that's going to focus exclusively on the hows. Yes. But you know, I, I'm going to just a couple of things real quick. First of all, you you never accomplish anything in life for Jesus that doesn't start with a presupposition of obedience. Amen. Not a, I'll obey if. Yes. <laughs> you know, if he's Lord, he has the right. <laughs> you know. That's curious is exactly. Lord, right? Yep. That means that it's not a it's not a debate. Yep. It's not a I wonder if I will obey or not. Yep. If he's Lord, you obey. Yeah, exactly. Um so if he's Lord, I start with the presupposition that I'm going to obey. So, first of all, I think all of us should be praying for the lost. So, Amen. you know, and and we should be praying for the world. I love what William Carey used to say. He said, every Christian should pray with an open Bible and an open map. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're praying God's scriptures and we're praying them with an understanding of we're praying them for the world. So... That would be the first thing I would say. You start with prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say it's – I know people get tainted in an American Christian context, but it's important that we give, John. Yep. I, I'm, I'm unashamed by that for two reasons. One, it's personal to me. I don't mean I live on it. I mean it's personal to me because I do it. The yep. very first – before Amy and I were even married, before our finances were commingled, I mean, we individually, we were already paying tithes. Right. But before we came together, the first thing we ever did financially together was to support missions. Amen. And so that has it has to be that deep, I think, in our life. So we give. Jesus said it's the condition of your checkbook that indicates the condition of your heart. Yep. And so it's not legalism. It's not about prosperity doctrine. It's about it's a reflection of God's generosity in our lives and it's saying, I want to be equally generous, you know. And so part of that. So we, we pray, we give. I think it's important that obviously some people are called to go. Mm-hmm. I, that's full time. Like yes, full time. Their livelihood. Yes. And live there. Yes. Yeah. And, and And the truth is. When you're talking about unreached peoples, they're not going to be changed by people going. Yep. They're going to be changed by people going and staying. Yep. You know, that's what it's going to require for unreached people groups to come to faith in Christ. Yeah. And well, and one of the things that we do here is we try to equip the national leaders because it's probably, you know, fiscally just talking about resources, the most effective way to see the gospel go forward is to train and equip people from those nations or nearby church areas to be able to go to those areas. So we equip, we train, uh, and and the more that we can put resources into those places to free them up to do the work. Would you agree with that? You, uh, you know, I do. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's, and it's funny because it's softball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause this was, this is coming from two missionaries. Yep. I mean, we, 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 it's not that we don't believe in, foreign expat missionaries. Yes. We're not saying that at all. 
But the truth is, effectiveness, Yep. there's not even a comparison. You know, I, I had to learn Arabic. Pretty tough language. You know, a- after 25 years, people would say, how long did it take you to get to be fluent in Arabic? My common response was, I'll let you know when it happens. <laughs> you know, I mean, in certain topics, I was very fluent. Yeah. In others, I wasn't. You know, I'd have to think in English. You know, when we work with one of the reasons we work with near culture neighbors yep. to, to share the gospel is they don't have that issue. You know, the bridge I have to cross over of linguistics and culture and all of that, if you think of it in your mind, it, it's it's 10 miles long. Yep. And after 20 years of service in a particular place, I felt like I was halfway across the bridge. Yep. But a near culture neighbor shows up with language. Maybe they have to learn a different dialect, mm-hmm. but they show up with the same culture. They still have to cross over a bridge, but their bridge is 100 meters instead of yep. 10 miles. And so it, so much quicker, they're able to be so much more fruitful. And then probably the biggest piece there is that the gospel doesn't feel foreign. Yes. You know, the gospel in the Middle East coming from me was always going to be an American gospel. Now, I didn't present an American gospel because it came through an American. The assumption was, that's great for you. You're an American. You're Christian. All all Americans are Christians. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was the understanding. You know, and so today I think we're talking about, you know, we pray, we give. I think it's good if you can go on a short-term missions trip, go. But if you can't ever go on a short-term missions trip, but you're able to substantially give consistently to places. It really, you can really support for our income. You can support a full-time oh, pastor yeah. around the world easily. Yeah, John, Amy and I went on mission, went as missionaries mm-hmm. as a career, and neither of us had ever been on a short-term missions trip. Yeah, my, you know, I'm like, if if you can go, go. But there wasn't anything God was going to communicate to me on a short-term mission trip that he had not communicated to me with an open Bible yeah. and an open heart. Yeah, and so we're clear on this. is We're not against short-term mission trips. We think that there's a great—actually, you started off by saying that there's a great value to that. However, sometimes what we can do in churches for pastors and leaders is we do a lot of short-term mission trips. And although that's good— uh, to, to expose people to what missions is. The real power of missions happens when we're engaging uh, national indigenous leaders and helping them to grow and take the gospel. Uh, they will be far more effective than what our short-term missions trips are as a general rule. Would you Abs- agree? Absolutely. I'll, I'll close with this. I had a pastor friend, great pastor to great church, still pastors a great church. Mm-hmm incredibly supportive of missions. And one time I asked him, because I really thought he had something to bring. I said, would you be willing to come to such and such? You know, I'd like for you to come and see this part of the world. And his response to me was great. He said, Mark, I don't need to get on another airplane to know that I need to spend the rest of my life marshalling every person in my church to give as much as they can so that the unreached can be reached. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So I think if somehow in our comments today, people would somehow grow in their understanding of what Scripture says, I'd ask people to do two things, maybe three. Yep. So first of all, when you're reading the Bible, read it from a perspective of how does God view the world? Yep. So don't just, you know— we, so often we read the scriptures on how does this bless me? Mm. Sometimes I think we have to say, God, what do you want me to do with what I've been blessed with? Amen. So read it from that perspective. Two, find a good missions biography to read. There's great ones. People like Amy Carmichael, mm. you know, Hudson Taylor. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, we, we'll, we'll provide a list in the show notes for yeah. the podcast of people of that people I would recommend. And then thirdly, I would say we talked earlier about prayer. Yep. There's a website people can go to 
It's called Operation World. That's a great website. Yeah, operationworld.org. It 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 looks at every country of the world and talks about its Christian Christian presence, what are the religions, all of that. Mm-hmm. And start just go through that resource and pick two or three countries and pray for them. Most of our listeners have probably never prayed for a yeah. country other than America. Yeah. You know, and pray for them. You know, the first country I ever prayed for in my praying for the world was Afghanistan. And it all of a sudden it was funny. I, I started seeing Afghans everywhere. I mean, literally, like, I would run into them, and I'm like, these people have been here all the time, but my heart wasn't open to them. My eyes weren't open. So my prayer, one thing it did is I do think there's this mystery of God working through our prayers, but he also worked in me. Awesome. And, you know, one last thing. And... I want to help people. I just so many times people have this idea that, you know, there used to be an old song that from our day that said, oh, God, please don't send me to Africa. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's that idea that almost we get a Jonah mentality. You know, if I really submit, surrender to God, if I start thinking about the world, if I start praying about the world, God's going to call me to be a missionary and I'm going to hate it. That's not the God we serve. Amen. You know, Living overseas wasn't always easy, but it was the most enjoyable thing I ever did in my life. Certainly the most fulfilling thing yeah. I ever did in my life. So, you know, for the, most people, God just wants you to have a burden for the world. He doesn't have a calling for you to go full time in missions. Yeah. But even those that he does call, one of the indicators that he's called you is that you can find and embrace joy in that calling. And so I just want people to grasp that today. I think that's incredible. And I, and when you reference Jesus saying, I've given you life and I've given it to you more abundantly, but then he's speaking that to people that he knows would die a martyr's death. And I, listen, if you could go to heaven and you could somehow go, hey, could we magically get these apostles to appear in front of us mm-hmm. and ask them the question, hey, if if you could do it all over again, would you actually follow Jesus and surrender your life? I I believe every single one of them would yeah. say I would do it a hundred times over to serve my Savior and to live for Jesus and to take the gospel where it doesn't exist. So listen, this isn't this isn't something of like piety through suffering. No. It's the joy of our life is to take the gospel and to let people see that don't know. And so I appreciate so much, Mark, the work Mm. that you do here at World Challenge. And this is not an infomercial, by the way. There's other places that you can support and work through. This is a great place to do that. And Mark is doing a fantastic job. But could you maybe just end us today with prayer? And if somebody, whether it's a pastor or a new believer, and they've just tuned in today and they're going, hey, I want to know more about God's heart and missions. Can you pray that we would all, and, and, and include myself in this, uh, mm. to enlarge my heart in a greater way to say, God, how can I be obedient in, in taking the gospel where it doesn't exist? Pray for us yeah, that God would give us that kind of a burden. Yeah. You know, I want to, one comment related to what you were just talking about. I was reminded of the Jim Elliott quote. You're talking about the apostles, Jim Elliott, who gave his life as a missionary and then gave up his life as a missionary, said he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to save what he cannot lose. Brilliant. And so that's what we're all about. Father, thank you so much for uh, the fact that you love the world. And we start by just acknowledging that the gospel started on the other side of the world. And so if somebody hadn't fully embraced the Great Commission, we wouldn't have the gospel today where we are. So one, we just start by thanking you that we are products of the Great Commission, that the church in America wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for somebody fully embracing the Great Commission. Lord, likewise, we pray that we would be somewhat shaken out of our complacency. Lord, we, we love you, 
we acknowledge you as our Father. We're thankful to you that we're our that we are sons and daughters of God. But we don't want to simply be spoiled children. We want to acknowledge yes. that with 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 privilege comes responsibility. Thank you. And so, Lord, we're, we we have the joy and the peace and all of those things that are part of the privilege of being in your kingdom. We also have the responsibility, Lord, of being witnesses in the earth. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening today. I pray that you would open their eyes to the world. If they are not engaged in missions, Lord, I pray that they would be become engaged in missions, if they're going to a church that's not a missions-minded church, I pray that with grace, not with condemnation, but with grace, they would be an instrument of bringing a heart for missions to their church. Lord, you love the world, 8 billion people, Lord, and there's still people without access to the gospel. Help us to engage in such a way that we can shrink that list we talked about earlier in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We are always glad that you join us. And so join us next week when we not just talk about, we talked about the why of missions this week. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about the how. In the meantime, like us, make a comment, share, anything you can do to get this message out to more and more people so that more lives can be changed. Thanks for joining us today. We love you. Take care. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable, and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. If you want to learn more about how World Challenge is sharing the gospel with people around the world, you can read stories from the missions field at worldchallenge.org slash updates or through the link in the show notes. John and Mark will be back next week for a conversation on missions. We'll see you then.